Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Mark the fourth chapter. Let's begin there today. Mark the fourth chapter again. We've been doing a series called The Hundredfold Principle. Say The Hundredfold Principle. Amen. And in fact, the kingdom, I shared earlier, the kingdom of God is established on a spiritual law called the law of sowing and reaping. Amen. Well, what does that mean? For God himself, for him to fulfill, for him, for him to see a manifestation of what he desired, he had to provide seed and then he had to sow it and then he had to stand in faith for it to come to pass. You know, I'll give you an example. In Genesis 3.15, when the Lord said, Excuse me, after Adam had transgressed the word of God, God turned to Satan, the snake, the serpent, and he said to him, he said, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. That's Genesis 3.15. That's the Living Bible translation. The word head means your spiritual authority. The seed of the woman is good. And then God patiently waited 4,000 years for that coming to pass. Do you hear me? He didn't wait for four days. He didn't wait four hours, four weeks, four months. He waited 4,000 years for it to come to pass. How many glad that God didn't give up on his word? Amen. Because it changes your life on a daily basis. So for God to get something of what he desired, he had to do what we do. He had to do, we're going to show you, we have to do the same thing. In order to reap a harvest of what he desired, he had to plant some seed. Because the, the, uh, the, the, the laws of the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, are, are the law of sowing and reaping. Hallelujah. Then once he made man in his image and likeness, he, made, he put Adam in the garden. It's very interesting. He put him in the garden for a twofold purpose. He said in Genesis 2 verse 15, he said this. He said this purpose. You're going to dress that garden and you're going to keep it. The word dress simply means to make it sure that it produces. And, and then number two, you're going, to, you're going to keep it. That word keep means to surround, to surround with a guarded fence. Amen. Why? Because there were enemies that would come and try to destroy the fruit of his, of his labor. And so he had a responsibility that he had to exercise the laws of sowing and reaping and make sure that he was a good steward over the garden until the garden produced its hundredfold principle. Hallelujah. How many believe that God is a good God and he's immensely loving to his children that he would give you a hundredfold return on your investment? Amen. Come on, everybody. I know today we've got all sorts of cons today. And all sorts of, there was a guy, uh, I, I got to keep going, but there was a guy in Sioux, that came to Sioux Falls, and, uh, and he, he, he ripped one little precious church of a million dollars on a con, on a scam, an investment scam. A million dollars. And that's happening all over America. The men of God come into churches and they rape the churches of their money, promising a hundredfold. Don't ever, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And don't don't go that route. Amen. Invest your money in the kingdom of God before you throw away your money on someone's word that is no good. Can I have an amen to that? Yeah, I mean, literally, not one dime was returned to that ministry. A million bucks. And they didn't have a million bucks uh, to give. And so it's sad when people come and rape the churches. Of course, he died and he's going to have to stand before God and give an account of his wrongdoing. So, the hundredfold principle really does exemplify the love of God to his people. The abundant life that he promised us, even John 10.10, I shared that last week. 
And he promised to give us abundant life spiritually, physically, socially, uh, and, and financially. If you agree with me, say amen. In Deuteronomy 8, he confirms this. He says this, but you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why? Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. What does that even mean? It was the covenant of redemption. That's exactly what it was. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, what does that mean? The curse of the law was this. The curse of the law was this. The law was perfect. But what the law lacked was the power, the power, the power for you to obey it. The law said this is the way to live, but never gave you the power to live it and then condemned you for breaking it. And the condemnation was death. That's a bummer. And so the Lord came to redeem us from that curse so that he could put his life on the inside of us so that we could become as he is. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So that's, that's the curse, you know. But in the curse, we know the curse, that part of the curse is sickness and disease, oppression, fear, poverty and lack, uh, death and devastation. It's all part of the curse. If you agree with me, say amen. You don't have to be a scholar to, to understand that. And, uh, and the curse is all around us. But praise God, when we walk with God, God will keep us from, the, uh, from that very curse of whatever is happening uh, uh, around us. I heard some testimonies of people in California who literally prayed while the fires were just raging around them. And the fires literally stopped at the very edge of their property, praise God, and went around them. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm sure that there were believers that lost their homes. And uh, all I can say, you know, I, I, I'm sure there have. And, and, and if that they trust God, they'll get it back. God will restore that to them. Uh, but the fact is, uh, people that exercise their faith on the, on the word of God, God will honor that word, hallelujah, and bring it to pass. Everybody say amen. amen. So God gives you the power to get wealth, and he may establish his covenant. Amen. And then third, John 1 is an interesting word. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. I love this. Uh, even as thy soul prospers. Now, does that, does, is that talking about finances? It sure is. Why? Because the Greek word prosper, it means this, to help on the road, to succeed in reaching, to succeed in business affairs, and have a prosperous journey. Hallelujah. So that's part of it. I said that's part of it. It's part of it. So God wants you to prosper. He said God wants me to prosper. Now, prosperity can be defined at different levels, you know, uh, uh, in your life. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be rich and, uh, you know, because there's, we'll look from the scriptures, there'll be, there's a snare to that also. But God will definitely meet your need. And even far beyond that, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, for he that sows sparingly shall reap, but he that sows bountifully shall reap. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So we believe the word of God. So. Hallelujah. So we move to the New Testament into Mark, the fourth chapter here, where it talks about the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower addresses the heart or the spiritual, the spiritual condition of man and the diligence that is required to harvest the eternal things of God, especially his eternal plans and purposes. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I would love to get to that place in my life where Jesus is shining through me. Amen. That, I mean, he's not shining through me in a Cadillac. He's not shining through me in a diamond ring. He's shining through me through my character. His attributes are manifesting in my life. Can I have a man? That, I mean, that's the most important thing in your life, is that that is what God wills for you, that he, he be seen to the world he loves. And the only way he can be seen is through you and I. If you agree with me, say amen to that. Amen. So last week I said, 
The parable of the sower is the most important parable uh, in regards to your life. And why? Your past, your present, and your future are discovered there. And the quality of life that you desire, listen, and the quality of life that you attain to is all based on this parable. Mark 4, verse 14 says, and we'll just skip along here so we can go on to target the third thing uh, that we're going to talk about today. So the parable of the sower, we find out in verse 14 what the sower sowed. It says that the sower sows the word of God. So now we know what the sower was scattering. That he was scattering on, on what? Hard ground. And he was scattering on stony ground. He was scattering on thorny ground. And then he was scattering on good ground. And uh, the first two, on the, as we found out this last two weeks, the hard ground and the stony ground produced no crop. It was a complete crop failure. And so, that's, that's, uh, so that can happen in a person's life. Now listen, I want you to understand this because when Jesus taught this, he, he, was, he was teaching the Jews. He was teaching God's covenant people. He wasn't teaching the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all the other Zites. He was teaching the Jews, his people. So this is for you. Say, this parable is for me. Amen. So I, I just want you to understand that. Okay. And, uh, and so uh, this morning we're going to talk about the thorny or the weed-infested ground. Verse 18. Now these are they which are sown among thorns. Such as hear the word of God. They all heard. They all heard. Just like today, you're hearing the word of God. But based upon the condition of your heart will determine what you get from God. It really is true. So if you're filled with animosity, unforgiveness, bitterness, you're critical, and you come today with a weed-infested heart, you're not going to get what you need. you got to come with a tender, pliable, submissive, yielding heart to God. That's the most important thing for you because thousands of people go to church every Sunday and leave unchanged because they didn't prepare themselves. Remember what John the Baptist says? Remember his message? Prepare ye the way of the Lord! I want you to look inside and prepare. The Lord is coming. Prepare your hearts to receive him. Amen. That's what preparation is very important. Amen? Amen. And, um, uh, and the cares, uh, the, um, I'll start over. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, Right, uh, and it, it what? The heart or the spiritual real estate of man becomes unfruitful. So Jesus wants you to understand this, that on a daily basis, there are foreign seeds that are being scattered on the surface of your heart. Foreign seeds. Seeds that are not considered, may not even be considered evil, but they're seeds that will choke the word of God from growing up into your life so that it'll hinder you from becoming Christ-like. And this is what this parable is all about. Amen. Now turn, if you would, to Matthew 12. Back up to Matthew 12. Praise the Lord. Matthew 12, verse 33. Boy, this lighting really is not good. Do you mind if I preach like this? I'll always see shadows here. Um, either make the tree good and his fruit good. Say his fruit. So he's, he's addressing a person, not a tree. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. So that's up to you. You can be a, a good tree that produces 
godlikeness, or you can be a corrupt tree that produces the fallen Adamic nature. That choice is up to you. Then he goes on and says this. Oh, generation of vipers. He's talking to the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were the religious men who spent their lives studying the law, but were filled with pride for the knowledge they had instead of filled with brokenness for the Savior they needed. Oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For, here's what he's saying. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth reveals the harvest from the seeds you've been sowing. Boy, I sure know that in my own personal life. When the pressures of life come, what comes out of you, even if you just say, I'm just kidding, what comes out of you is in your heart. See, your mouth will be forced to speak what, it, what you've har- harvested on the inside. Do you understand that? Jesus said in Matthew, the 15th chapter, it's not, you know, everybody today is concerned about eating. I think we're more obsessed with that eating naturally than we are eating the word of God. I'm serious about this. Uh, I mean, it, become, it can become a stumbling block to you, obsessed with what you're eating. Well, you can't eat that, that. You can't eat that. You can't eat that. You can't. Here's what the Lord said. What goes into the, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. This is in Matthew 15. But it's what comes out of the mouth is what defiles you. It's what comes out of you. What have you been planting? What have you been scattering on the soil of your heart? Because it's going to take root and grow and produce a harvest. And isn't this interesting? Now, I was a farm boy. We farmed. It was a great, great life when I was young. And uh, it takes zero effort to grow a weed. (laughs) It, It will not rain for 40 days and a weed will be out there growing. Just by you spitting on the dirt. It's just a miracle. But, but you plant good seed, man, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work, a lot of stewardship to make sure that that thing comes to full fruition. You agree with me on that? It's true. It's just amazing. just goes to show you how the curse is in the earth. So Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth reveals the harvest from the seeds you've been sowing. Verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Very interesting how he calls it treasure. He calls the good man values the treasure of what's on the inside of him. The evil man values the treasure of what's on the inside of him. But one brings a blessing, one brings the curse. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of on the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, just let me help you understand verse 36. It says, every idle word, that word idle means useless, or empty word that men shall speak, they shall give account of in the day of judgment. What, what's the day of judgment? Harvest time. Harvest, harvest time. When the pressure is on, all of a sudden, blankety, blank, 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 and you completely lose it. You completely freak out. And you, for the first time, realize what's on the inside of you. Now you're being judged by others by how you've responded to the pressures of life. So it isn't someday standing before God and being judged. 
is simply at harvest time, people will drive by your house and be able to say, oh, yeah, that guy planted corn. Yeah, wow, look at there. That guy planted wheat. Wow, look at that guy. Oh, mercy. His whole field is full of weeds. Obviously, he didn't steward his garden. Are you with me? Thank you, Lord. Message Bible says this, verse 35. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. Catch that? A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. Why? Because whether you like it or not, those careless words will take root and bring you a harvest. That's how important these things are. Now, I'm speaking to myself here today. I just want you to know. I'm just speaking to myself because, my goodness, when life gets challenged, it's amazing what sometimes can come out of you. The second thing we must avoid to preserve God's presence is the deceitfulness of riches. First thing is the cares of this world. Secondly is the deceitfulness of riches. Now, what is deceitful about riches? Well, having an unhealthy longing for money will create in you the delusion that once I attain to enough of it, then I'll pursue the things of the Spirit. So you become deceived because, listen, the Adamic nature always puts the cart before the horse. Always backwards. That's the, that's the deceitfulness of riches. The deceit is I can spend all my time and all my energy and all my talents, and we see it today. It, it's, it's, we live in a time uh, of... I mean, America, how many agree that we are a blessed nation? But if you're not careful, your pursuit of the temporal can all, all, all well, at one point, exalt or, or, or dis, the discernment of, or the value of the temporal will exceed the value of the eternal, if you're not careful. That's the deceit of wealth. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy of this unhealthy longing for money which obviously must have been a problem in the first century church. Here's what he wrote. Those who crave to be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish, useful, godless, and hurtful desires that plunge men or believers into ruin, destruction, and miserable perishing. For the love of money, the love of money, not money, but the love of money. And, and you don't have to be wealthy, to, you don't have to, be wealthy to, to love money. You can be broke and love money. For the love of money is the root of all evils. It is through this craving that some, not all, but some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith. Meaning at one point they were right dead center uh, in faith, uh, with their faith in God, serving God, committed to God. And all of a sudden they've wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many acute mental pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee from all these things. Aim at, pursue righteousness, right standing with God and true goodness. Godliness, which is, loving, which is the loving fear of God in being Christ-like. Faith, love, steadfastness, patience, gentleness of heart. So then, the very next verse, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith, and you lay hold on eternal life. Why? Because these, these, these things around you will try to take your eternal life from you. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold. Don't let go. Don't become so distracted by the temporal, but so that you lose sight of and let go of the eternal and of course you won't because you're here today. I said you're here today. But there have been believers that, I've even prayed for believers, for, for them to prosper. And they prosper and you never see them again. 
because they, they, have, they have disconnected from, they have somehow been deceived in believing that they, they, they've, got, they're drive, they've got this driving force and they can't stop now. You know, not that they're making money, they've got to keep going. And you never see them in church again. And that's the sad thing. God doesn't want that. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> What's it say? Uh, a poor person will never get, um, what do you call it? When they take somebody um, captive, you know, for money. What you, yeah, the poor person will never, never, never become a hostage. <clears throat> okay. Um, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? I want you to write this down on the screen. God's will is for you to prosper, but not at the expense of his will. Isn't that good? God's will is for you to prosper, but not at the expense of your will. And if, all, and if you're pursuing, here's what's so important, kids. Please understand. I, I, I'm, God has blessed our lives. God has blessed us. I'm, I'm so grateful. But see, the older I get, I mean, I mean this. I mean, the older I get, the less I need. And yet, when we're young, we're just so in pursuit of, uh, of all this natural and, 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 and it, 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 neglecting not only the spiritual, but ne ne neglecting the relational, you know? I mean, and, and all of a sudden, you get older and you realize, cheapers, this stuff is not that important. I mean, if I wasn't married, if I wasn't married to my wife, you'd probably see me up here with three different uh, Under Armour outfits on. I just, I, just th I mean, you know, I, I love her because she always wants me to look nice, praise God. And I like my woman to look beautiful too, praise God. If the bar needs paint, paint it. Amen. <laughs> anyway, no, I do. I mean, she's, I, yesterday, man, I don't know, you know, she came out of the bedroom. Oh, my, holla, holla. She looked absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and when you get older like this, you don't see your mate as old. No, I'm sure she sees me as old, but I don't see her as old. <laughs> but we value things differently as we get older. And here all this pursuing, and I mean this, kids. If you're involved in things that take you outside the doors of this church, you need to stop and consider what you're involved in. Not that, you, I mean, not that you don't miss church once in a while. You do. It's just part of life. But when there's a consistency, we come to church about once a month, um, then you're involved in the wrong things. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I ain't saying that because I'm a preacher. It's true. Okay, I'll keep going. The third thing we must avoid to preserve God's word is, within our hearts, is the lusts of other things. We must avoid the lusts of other things. First John 2. I've got to wind this up here. Look at First John 2. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. And that's hard. I believe with all my heart, America is blessed because our forefathers established this nation on the principles of God's word. Now, I know you're saying that, but that's true. Even the Constitution has scriptures in it. I mean, these men trusted the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They trusted God that this nation would make it. 
And I'm telling you, there were times that it, it, it didn't look at all he was going to make it. The Civil War, I mean, can you imagine? Brother fighting against brother. But even spiritually, that's been going on since the beginning of time. We may not kill one another with a sword, but we sure damage each other with our words. And so there's always been warfare going on. But this nation was founded on the principles of God's word. And that's why God has blessed it. But even God knows that he risks. Every time he pours out his blessing on you, he risks the possibility that you'll detach from him in the midst of your prosperity. He, but he's willing to take that risk. Now, we don't have to. How many believe that you can have it all in God? Raise your hand if you believe you can have it all. I mean, you can have every need met, be blessed in life, have more than enough to, uh, to uh, uh, promote uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and be blessed. Praise the Lord. But again, as I said earlier, that God's will is for you to prosper, but not at the expense of his will. The lust of the flesh. Oh, let's finish reading this. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh craving for sensual gratification, the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things, do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away, it does, and disappears, it does, and with it the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. And everybody shout hallelujah. That's beautiful. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, two-thirds of our temptation, I shared this last week, comes through lust. God gave me an acronym for lust many years ago, L-U-S-T, living under sexual torment. The word lust in the Greek actually means longing for that which is forbidden. So there are some things that are forbidden. Like longing for someone else's wife. Forbidden. Like pursuing your sexual gratification through pornography. Forbidden. Forbidden. There's things that are forbidden. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Boasting on your own human efforts when if you've got anything good in your life, it came from God. Can I have an amen? amen? See, some of you got good looks. That came from God. No, I didn't, but I'm good looking on the inside. Hallelujah. I'm just saying, you know, whatever you got came from God. So why should you? I'll laugh at, you know. I'm not going uh, to keep going. Not, not going to say anything. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You're going to read it. Gen I'll give you the scripture. Genesis 3, 6. Was what Satan used to beguile Eve. And then in Luke, the fourth chapter, he used the same three temptations for Jesus. They're all in there, all three of them. Okay? And so he uses those in our lives today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, I promise you, as you get older, especially the sensual part of life, that begins to dissipate, begins to leave you, because your body's changing. And all of a sudden, what you thought was so important, so valuable, what you thought was so great is, is, is no longer, it begins to dissipate from your life. And it's not even something you even think about. I'm just saying, you know, that passions of the flesh are there. Amen. So they're there. And God put them there, but for his glory and honor. Amen. For his glory and honor within the, within the uh, union of, of marriage between a man and a woman. 
David suffered needlessly by yielding to his sensual passions uh, with another man's wife. Achan lost everything, his whole family and his own life because of the uncontrolled passions uh, and desire for something that didn't belong to him. And of course, you know, Judas lost his life because of that. James 1 says this, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire, his lusts and passions. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Do not be misled. So we can't blame the devil when we fall into temptation. We're the ones that cast the bait out there. We're the ones. I told you this. I just, I just said this last week, and it's true. Uh, I never wanted to get a computer because the computer would yet have access to pornography, and I had a problem with that when I was young. Uh, I mean, you know, they didn't have computers back then, but, and so I didn't want to have nothing to do with that. But so I entered the computer, and one day I'm like, innocently, innocently on my computer, studying, that's all I do, study Greek and Hebrew and the different translations of the Bible. That's all I use. Well, once in a while, Google's, you know, information, you know, uh, what time does uh, Inca's open? I mean, I Google stuff, you know. But <laughs> all of a sudden, a little naked woman comes popping up on me, you know. And like, I, I had no idea. You know, I don't know where she came from. I know she came from hell, but I don't know where she, you know. And so I called Andy, and he laughs, and, you know, because it happened to Dad. And so he, so he gets, finds me a, 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 a deal, um, a filter system for, for it, and therefore it's a safeguard. I can't, no, I suppose if I was just a genius, I could somehow break through, but hallelujah, I'm not, so I'm just fine. <laughs> I'm just fine. Amen. The thing I've tried desperately to do in my life, and I've made enough mistakes in my life, but is to end this spiritual journey in defeat when I lived most of it in victory. And many pastors have done that. And that's really a bummer. So lust is reality. It's in every one of our lives. And I know sometimes it's uncomfortable to speak stuff like this, but where are you going to hear it from? I mean, where are you going to... You know, I mean, I'm sorry. You got to learn these things. Uh, you go on the street and learn it. No, you you go to the Bible. The Bible. I mean, the Bible is very graphic and very specific. I could read you all sorts of sorts of scriptures that would embarrass you or make you feel uncomfortable, because God knows humanity. He understands us, and so He addressed every dysfunction that we face in our lives. He put it in the Word of God, and then gave us the answers to overcome it. Hallelujah. And so he understands what we face. So how did Jesus overcome these temptations? Luke 4th chapter. He did it by speaking the word. It is written. Say it is written. written. Amen. That's how we overcame. And that's how you're going to overcome is by speaking what God promised in his word. In fact, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he actually is quoting Deuteronomy, I believe it's the fourth chapter. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So we have the promise. The parable of the sower is all about you and what you allow into your heart and into your life. That's why I say this often, that when you, when you blow it, you know, whether it's 
you know, you get angry, you freak out, you know, or you, you know, you say things you shouldn't say, get to the altar, whether it's in your bedroom, in your bathroom, wherever it is, in your truck, and just repent before God. Quickly get that thing uprooted so it don't find a place to take root. The Bible says in Esau became very bitter for what his brother did to him. And that bitterness almost destroyed his life. So this morning, I just want to pray for you. Because I want you to look deep on the inside of your heart and, find, and examine, examine what's going on in the inside of your life. And if things haven't been going good, all you got to do is go to the Word of God. Repent before God and go to the Bible and begin to read the Bible and find out what the Bible says about you. The reason the Lord sent his spirit into our hearts because he knew we'd need help. God didn't call us to, God never ever intended for us to run this spiritual race on our own. He equipped us from within. That's where John said, greater is he, the Holy Ghost, that's in me than he is in the world. Romans 8 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Say, God is for me. me. Say it it again. Amen. Close your eyes. Look up to heaven and say, God is for me. Say, thank you, Lord, you're for me. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.